Hello everybody, welcome to You, Me, Them, everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby, and I'm sitting kind of backstage at the DCAC speaking with... Debbie Quabell. Janine Brito. Nato Green. And these three are our laughter against the machine. Look, we gotta do the intro over again. That Why do we have to do that, that over too again? too fast. Was, I don't, My end or yours? Your part was way too fast. Oh, if they already listened, they're used to this. Well, you gotta, we're gonna bring in new listeners. That's absolutely true. Fine, I'll go super slow. Okay, yeah. I'll go NPR I couldn't speed. even get the name of the podcast. Like, I don't you, know me, them, everybody. See, I could tell it was something like that. I stole it from the Blues Brothers. Good. Because I'm from Chicago. Well, they stole that whole idea from black people, so. Yeah, well. <laughs> and then who did they give a second career to? Everyone. So it made sense. No, no, no. Let's well, start yeah. with that moment. Let's start with that. And my name is Brandon Weatherby. Because I'm the host. Good. We do your name again. What's you, the name of the podcast? You, me, really? We're still doing? Because if they subscribe, it's not radio, it's podcasting. They already know what they're listening to. That's the difference. There's no casual listening in podcasting. That's why you don't have to recap every 10 minutes. There's no drive time traffic. I know. We could t- turn it into drive time traffic. It feels like that right now. It, this feels like, <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a little... We have some midgets and strippers doing mud wrestling later for the drive time. <laughs> have you guys done any drive time radio? Oh, I have. As yeah. a stand-up. Yeah. As a stand-up? Yeah. Is, what's your favorite? <laughs> None of it. None of it? Why? That's the real like, America. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, it turns out that not every stand-up comic should be on drive time radio. That's all I'm saying. Well, I it's think it's the best form well, of the media. The best form of the, the of radio form, or the media. The over. media as a general. It goes drive time radio, the Jennifer Aniston Quarterly, <laughs> and that's it. Those are the only two things I get any news from. Yes. And I use that term news very loosely. Yeah. Speaking of news, yes. or an awful segue, Laughter Against the Machine. This is a show that you two started. Yeah. Why did you start this show? Because uh, we had had enough. No, um, so during uh, come out during the George Bush years, yes. uh, there was sort of this. George Bush was like a full employment act for political comedy, it was. and a lot of people got into doing political comedy. And then when Obama was elected, a lot of people walked away. And come out, and I were like, we we still want to work, okay. uh, yeah. and we're not we're not done with you, America. Uh, <laughs> so we're not, uh, we're not America. Get back in my office. Yeah. Don't just walk out of here. Don't think that because you razzle dazzled me with that hope and change, uh, yeah. mumbo jumbo, that, uh, that that we're finished. And I mean, so, I never really had any Bush jokes either. Like, really? I had, I had a, maybe one, but for me, it's always commentary on the culture, and you know, and part of the culture is politics. But I wasn't like a George Bush is a is retarded guy, like like most political comics. The, the thing, the thing that the, the wall that we were sort of banging our heads against was that we felt like people who were coming to shows that were billed as political comedy shows, and we're talking about liberals. Uh, wanted their comedy to be cheerleading. And okay. we weren't interested in doing cheerleading. Uh, and we weren't interested, you know, there are th- that uh, that we wanted to sort of kick open the idea of what was encompassed in politics to include identity and history and, you know, race and gender. And Tonight, maybe Jennifer Aniston. Tonight, maybe Jennifer Aniston. That pops has and been so, up. And that it wasn't, that what mattered to us was not that, not you know, having an audience who wanted to hear jokes about the news, because there are a lot of people who do topical humor mm-hmm. that, you know, but that that we wanted to build an audience that wanted to hear comedy that was committed to a point of view. Okay. Uh, and, you know... <coughs> like, Jay Leno does top political comedy. I mean, well, like, it's that same correct. sort of, you know, but it's just, you take the headline... And you match it up against another headline. Yeah, Baba Baba John Boehner, Baba Baba Kardashian. (laughs) (laughs) We could do that all day, you know. Baba Baba Nancy Pelosi looks like Carol Channing. Uh, (laughs) Carol Channing. 
Uh, <laughs> that was insulting both ways. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like that. That it, it felt like people were sort of doing the dozens okay. of politicians, and we just we didn't want to do that. Okay. But can't you do that on your own? Why build a tour out of it? Because it wasn't about the, the... First, it was about building an audience for it. Okay. Because if you market, as me and Nate were talking, we had been on shows like this show called Laugh Out the Vote, which was built as a liberal comedy show, and it's just people who... We would do our jokes, and they would be like, no, I just want to be cheer-led. And so we ended up fighting them. Got it. And, uh, and some of the fights were awesome, but uh, and some of them not so much. So we were like, we wanted to curate... Redwood City, looking at you. Redwood <laughs> City, yeah. What happened looking. there? Uh, that was one of the classic examples of like... The the audience just they wanted to hear like they were a good big healthy audience but they just if you didn't t- talk to them from their perspective they didn't want to hear what you had to say and it turns out uh, Redwood City which by its name should tell you the type of people who live there hippies uh, <laughs> yes hippies I mean it actually is a very, it actually it's that faux it's that faux liberal like where liberal doesn't mean progressive like okay. people who vote Democratic but don't actually want to know any of those people so like fifty year old like fifty year old like yeah. like Really pro, good jobs. Pro-choice landlords. Yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. And, and so it's like, and as a, as a, you know, as a black dude who wasn't 50 or white, or, yeah. like, almost everything I say doesn't come from their perspective. Okay. And they were sort of like, they would fight me, and the other comics on the show, if you didn't come from their perspective, as if you weren't doing comedy at that point. Okay. And it was like, and I, and I was always under the impression, Nate was, no, there's an audience for what we do. We have to curate that audience instead of just taking our jokes everywhere. We can take our jokes everywhere, and we all are comics who perform in clubs mm-hmm. in front of audiences who don't know who we are. Yeah, you were at a college last night. I was at a college last night. Same yeah. material, or do you have a different set? Uh, well, that I have a one-man show I do that I do at the colleges called the W. Crop Bell Curve, Ending Racism in About an Hour. Okay. But that show encompasses a lot of laughter against the machine. It just also has PowerPoint and slides. So, yeah, it's the same stuff, although when you're doing it for college students, you sort of like... Not that you, you just deliver the material in a different way. Like, Where if I'm doing it for their parents, I will indict their parents as the problem. Okay. For college students, I say, please don't end up being the problem. So don't be parents. Yeah, don't be, don't be your parents. Be okay. parents, but not your parents. All right, all right, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Janine, mm-hmm. hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well, how are you? Well, you joined up with these gentlemen, like, a year, is it a year into the... A couple of years. A couple years. years. Well, yeah, I mean, we sort of like a, maybe, like a year into it, we didn't... We, we did we, a, there was a bit of foreplay. Yeah. yeah, like we we Before actually we close the deal. <laughs> like I think I literally think we I asked her we asked her to open uh-huh. every show that we did, uh-huh. and she was not available for a couple of them. And then when she did finally, because I just always suspected that Janine would be great okay. with it because she's a great comedian. And then when she started to sort of become our regular opener, at one point, you know, we were just like, "She's why aren't we just pulling the trigger on this?" Yeah, like she, you know, because she brings such a different element to the show. Which As a gay. As a gay. As a, and a woman. As a lady gay. She and, two. and? Hispanic. Yes. And are you from the Midwest, too? Not originally. I have oh, okay. lived in the Midwest. Where did you live in the Midwest? Um, I lived, I went to high, well, technically not the Midwest. I went to high school in Louisville, Kentucky. How was so that? This is going to take a while. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I went to college and lived in St. Louis, Missouri. How was St. Louis? Was that a great comedy bed for you? I started doing comedy there. Um... You know, the comics I met there were great. Uh-huh. Really awesome guys, really great writers. Um, there was only one club. Yeah. And then the next club was like two hours away, and then the one after that was four hours away, and it just wasn't... So were you used to doing place. shows at non-traditional venues then? Uh, back then, there weren't... Oh, really? People weren't really doing... I think the six months before I moved to San Francisco, people had finally started putting together their own bar and okay. coffee shop shows. So now you're based in San Francisco right now. Um, yes. And NATO, where are you based? San Francisco. San Francisco. 
And you are based in... I'm San Francisco. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yet, you all three came from different places today. It's so nice. You know, we tell the, we take the jokes where the people want the jokes. They you, can't, you can't just stay in San Francisco. We don't want to... That's the whole point of this tour, is not living in the bubble mm-hmm. of, San, of the Bay Area. Okay. You know, the whole point of this was to get out and go, we've curated a very enthusiastic, awesome audience in the mm-hmm. Bay Area. Most, our, mm-hmm. most we do our shows in Oakland, which is where we'll be on Monday and Tuesday. But, uh... We wanted to see, like, we believe these people exist everywhere. Okay. Have you been, you haven't been to the D.C. Occupy yet, have you? Not yet. Not tomorrow. Yet. Okay, tomorrow. you're going tomorrow. You've yes. been to the Oakland one. Yes. You've been to the New York one. Yes. How do they compare? Do they even compare and, at all? Uh, yesterday I was in Portland. You were in Portland yesterday? Yeah, at the Portland Occupy, yeah. Okay, how are and we? And we also, we've been to the San Francisco Occupy. So you've been to a lot of Occupies. Yes. What's yeah. your favorite Occupy? <laughs> Give us some tips. Uh, Give us some Yelp reviews uh, on Occupy movies. Well, we actually we found the Yelp review for Occupy Wall Street. There is actually Yelp. Under local flavors, got three and a half stars. Um, Would you agree with that rating? Uh, no, because the because the the stars were like, not this is not a good Occupy. The stars were I am against Occupy. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you don't like Turkish food, then you then you're going to give a Turkish restaurant one star because yes. you don't like Turkish food, not because this was, they didn't do a good job of being a Turkish restaurant, did they, but did I like the genre of food. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a NATO uh, metaphor or whatever. Did you like their genre of food? In New York? Yeah. Yeah, uh, very much so. I mean, the thing, New York, we just sort of went in and hung out for a day and mm-hmm. talked to some people, and there was, it's, it, that, like, really, Occupy, it's, it's an open source social movement. And sort of Occupy and We're the 99% is a platform, and people are building their own apps out of it. And so. But you built a tour out of it. Well, our tour preceded it. Yeah. Uh, so, and we're just sort of rolling it in. No, no, no. Our tour predicted it. That's. Yeah! yeah <laughs> What's up, everybody? Baby, yeah! Uh, so, <laughs> it, it's, it's. Our the Occupy started when we were on the road in September, and, uh, you know, uh, not saying we caused it, but. Uh, you know, you never know what what is the butterfly moth whose wings cause the tornado. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the thing about like it in the bay, because we're more connected to the mm-hmm. community locally. Like when there are the big actions, like I was at the Oakland General Strike, and I was uh, at the rally that led to the police riot, and I was there in San Francisco defending the camp all night with everybody when we thought the police were going to come and raid the camp again, and so being sort of part of the planned activities of the thing it locally is much more exciting. Also being expected to be a part of the like you yeah. know people sort of like reach out to us knowing that we are a laughter against the machine. Like, okay. Are you guys going to perform down here? What are you guys doing? And uh, we have shows Monday and Tuesday in the Bay Area that I think are going to be huge which already would have been huge but are going to be I think even bigger because of the fact that... Have you performed at one of the Occupy movements? I have. Yeah just as a how was that? Uh it was a good thing to cross off my bucket list. Uh, <laughs> did, did you use the people's microphone for your stand-up? Yes, I did. How did that had to be awful? Uh, <laughs> All subtlety was probably lost. Uh, you got heckled. I, and I did got you heckled. get heckled? Yeah. Did it get heckled with the people's microphone? No, that oh. sort of Ended cut the... short the. What was the heckle? What about rape? What about it? Well, so they were asking him to consider that in his the, joke. The, the, they, that they were that they wanted to debate the finer points of one of my jokes, and that I hadn't considered the rape angle to the joke. But not like in a hey, this is a good idea. What about rape? But like you left out rape, right? You oppressor. You know what it is? Is like in any sort of activist grouping, there are people who have their thing mm-hmm. that they inject into what you know, so that no matter <laughs> what the topic is, it's like two degrees to that thing. Okay, so. It was just like, oh, the what about rape person was at the at, heard the joke, and that was how they responded. But 
I could have done, you know, I could have done a joke about solar panels. Okay. And would she you... still would have been like, what about rape? <laughs> so, and then I went back and did it again through a bullhorn. Um, and, you know, the th- I mean, what's weird about comedy, more, more so than a lot of other types of performance, is that it's so contextual. Like, mm-hmm. there are artists, there are visual artists doing paintings there, and they're great, and they're really sort of integrated into the fabric of the Occupies. You can go there and have a drum circle. You can go there and play guitar. People will be into it. Uh, comedy, you really have to sort of create the environment for people to be able to focus on it. Okay. And outside in in the sort of these encampments is just shouting is not the place for, <laughs> to sort of maximize the experience. But when I went back and did it with the bullhorn, I did the thing that we often do in clubs, which it is before I did any material, I just made sure that I was addressing what was happening immediately around me. Just a bunch of crowd work. Uh, well, just, crowd. yeah. I, where are you I, from? Where are you from? Yeah. Where are you from? Hey, what's up, the police over there? And yeah. where are you from? Oh, that tent over there. Yeah. Uh, so, you, are you from the the the, the uh, anti-Zionist tent? I see. Cool. That's that quadrant of the camp is over here. Yeah, I mean, there's like uh, Lee Camp has done the most effective job of doing comedy at an Occupy. I sort of like very much realize like. I don't think that's how stand-up comedy is going to be most effective with this movement. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think the comics who do it are, are brave. And uh, the time that he did that joke where he got heckled, I was scheduled going after him, and I went, I'm good. Uh, you bailed on it? I told, I'm a bailer. I'm although, an old-school bailer. Although he continues to get credit in the press. Yeah. <laughs> the press said done. I was there, so, you know, mission accomplished. Uh, but, you know, but I think that, like, stand-up comedy... You know, it's we went down there and talked to people and are doing shows, and we invite them to our shows, and a lot of times we give away free tickets to people down there. So we're definitely like, and I think, as I said to somebody yesterday in an interview, I don't think the good art from Occupy is going to come out for, until like maybe in the next within the next year. Okay, that's when we're going to see like artists releasing the good songs and comics with the good jokes about it because it just takes a while for things to percolate sometimes. You know, fair enough. Well, what do you hope that the, what do you hope the role of comedy in the movement will be? Because uh, I know that yesterday Janine and I talked about you talked about the place for comedy is very important, mm-hmm. but how does it fit in? I would like to see these l- very radical, outspoken political comics get a little bit more attention in the mainstream media. Like okay. Aside from Stephen Colbert and John Stewart, yeah. I would love to see Lee Camp on a late night show. Um, I would love to see Jamie Kilstein on television. I would love. Well, I would Kilstein, love to see you, us. Did yes, you see, did you I see Kilstein on Conan. On Conan. Yeah, was yeah, amazing. Yeah. And it, but it was amazing, but also it was so unusual. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like the crowd it, that, was silent for the first two minutes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it was so, like, nobody knew where to put yeah. this, right. because this is not the kind of thing that regularly goes on. I mean, I've, the last two, the last, what, last, the last three times I've tried to get on television, uh, I've been told I was too topical and too political. Okay. Now, maybe that's code for not funny. But, uh... <laughs> what were you trying to get on? Was it just for just a general booker? Yeah, it was like I was trying to get on uh, the... Lopez tonight. I was trying to get. On, I tried to get a Comedy Central half hour, and I tried to get on Conan. Now Conan has asked me to resubmit, okay. but I sort of like. I feel like I have to. I have to write different jokes then, because I just the way I write is just that it's always going to be somewhat topical, and it's always going to be. There's always going whether you, whether it's overtly political. There's always going to be a perspective that's not like that. You know, a lot of late night comics, and a lot of them are my friends. Uh-huh. That is just sort of like you lay out the most sort of benign version of yourself possible yeah. because you're trying to hit the biggest audience possible. And because of Laughing Against the Machine and my own solo show and other things, I've sort of pursued this real sort of like punk rock Fugazi yeah. in DC direction to sort of like yeah. that 
Possibly that, even the bad brands. Yeah, possibly the bad brands. That it, that it just, it's hard to sort of pull back into mainstream media. Does know? it need to be pulled back at all? Well, if I want, you know, if I want to pay my rent on time, uh, you know, it's that thing. I don't know. It's just that thing where you, at some point, I don't think it's wrong to sort of go, I'm going to write. Like Bill Hicks was on Letterman 11 times, mm-hmm. you know. And when you watch the sets he did on Letterman, they weren't the Hicks that we all know and love. It's like, it's some version of that guy, you know. So I'm not against it. It's just that right now I'm so busy doing all this other work, I don't have time to go to the club and, and work up like a, a six-minute you know, okay. TV set. Yeah, I would do it if I, you know, it's if in the next few months that happens. But I get, the thrill comes out of this work. The paychecks don't necessarily come out of this work. Fair. Yeah. Well, so. the paychecks never really come out of black box theaters, though. Uh, well, that, that's not, not int- necessarily. Uh, really, th- you can make as a comic if you can build up your own following. You always make more money putting on your own shows. So it makes more sense for you guys to be here than say like the improv. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. For one, because the audience we're going to get, everybody who's paying to this, nobody's coming accidentally. Okay. You know, at the DC Improv. Even if the biggest act in the world is at DC Improv, somebody just went online and bought tickets just because of the DC Improv. Okay. And some of those people are going to be like, hey, I didn't know this guy was going to blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So we get, whoever comes in here tonight, even though it's a small theater, they all mean to be yeah. here. So that helped, that already puts us in a good position. Also, you rent the space and you get all the ticket sales and you don't have to worry Fair about, enough. like, you know, you may, if you want to put, it's a lot more work to do it that way. Yeah. But if you put the work in and build yourself that way, then you end up being somebody, you know, like, Kathy Griffin didn't come up through the clubs, and she's one of the biggest, most successful, probably richest comics mm-hmm. in the country. You know what I'm saying? Because she just she does it. She what they call four walling it. You do it yourself. Okay. The, I mean, the other the other thing I, I, I would want to say about about the role of comedians in the movement is that comedians are the 99 percent too, right? And like most comedians are not, they're they're like their best hope of ever getting health care is socialism. So, <laughs> um, like, does there need to be a comedians union? It's impossible. Does it, okay, in an ideal world, would it exist? In an ideal world, uh, the government would pay, would, would, would value arts. Okay. And there would be some sort of way in which, you know, like I hear in other countries happens, that artists get money to do things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I would do comedy if it paid a living wage. I'm not, it's just unfortunately because you're doing stand-up comedy, you almost have to aim at millionaire just to make a living. Okay. Like there's no way to sort of like get like a middle management job in comedy like you sort of have to like aim at the highest level just to sort of survive okay you know? and there, there I mean there are you you know there's that tag and the writers yeah. guild and after I mean there are things that you re, you get to but that's not for stand ups those yeah. are for people you have to they, be on TV yeah. yeah but um you know I, I think I think I would you know I would love to see comedians getting more involved in local arts policy okay and, and deal with trying to direct more funding there you know no one is when they're thinking about arts funding is thinking about funding comedy. No, um, and I think that you know more than a union. I think that's where comedians should be focusing. Okay, can we talk about the show for a little bit? No, <laughs> it's not. You guys have three different styles of stand-up. It's not the same at, at all. Uh, do you want? Is that why you're all together instead of three of the same? St- I mean, there's you know I think comedy has enough of it's the same person three times uh-huh. you know I think those package tours were, were have been a big and deal and they work the yeah they do work although sometimes I think they're starting to work less and less because everybody's doing some version okay of it. but uh, you know I think that we came together because we're of like mind like behind what we're doing on stage like forget what we're doing on stage mm-hmm. we're just like minded people uh, I don't I think it benefits from the fact that we're all three different types of comics but I, that was not like we didn't test market this. You know, okay. we didn't go like who. Okay, we need. That's, it wasn't like we're missing a woman. It was not yeah. for the part of the vibe. It was like I love Janine. I would like to be with her more. Okay. You know, so, okay. Yeah. And we get along. 
we're not yeah. going to have the like well. some kind of monster meltdown. Fair enough. Not yet. <laughs> uh, Unless I get pregnant, and then these which two could happen. Who's <laughs> the baby daddy? Yeah. <laughs> have you guys? I, you haven't been to DC before to perform. Have you guys performed in DC before? No? Yeah. Really? No, I know. Because you lapped her against the machine, you haven't been to the nation's capital. Well, first of all, slow down. We've only been <laughs> doing a couple years. We just started the national tour in September. Yeah. You know, it's one step at a time. And the other part is is that it's hard to get to these places if you aren't going to get into the DC Improv or through okay. the main comedy club. Yeah. I mean, we could have all come to DC and performed and done, like, but this... I mean, we had to go to Kickstarter to make this happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is a this is a big deal. I, w- I would have loved... People are always asking me, when are you going to come to Tampa, Florida? When Tampa, Florida pays me enough money to What's go the there. one city you guys want to hit that you haven't yet? I think... Well, for me, I think the one place I want to hit is Australia. Why? Why? They have a huge comedy scene in Australia. Okay. In Australia? Let me tell you something. Tell me. In Australia and the UK... They consider stand-up comedy to be an art form. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that why there's so many great stand-ups from Australia? And no, the it's UK? why so many American comics go over, move over there and don't come back again. <laughs> what about you guys? Where do you want to go? I'm, I'm mulling it over. Where would I like? This is going to be a stretch, and I might change my mind immediately after I say it. Birmingham, Alabama. Because what? I would love to see like the people who are there, who are of our like our ilk. Yeah. Would. Just their heads would explode if we came in. They'd be like, "Finally! Oh my God! I've been here for you have no idea." Ah. They, we would be like, "Ah." Be like the Beatles, right? The Beatles reunited, and that would be and played such one a, gig with like, Led Zeppelin. Like they need it, you know. The the the, the queers in Alabama need us. You yes. Know? <laughs> like the leftists in Alabama need us. So that to me, even though. 90% of me is like, oh my god, no, don't do it. 10% of me is almost like, that would be amazing just to to gather our audience right. in such a, a, a sea of red. <laughs> I mean, I think that would be, I think if the documentary, when the documentary comes out, if the documentary does what we believe it can do, that would be the next step is to then go to places where we wouldn't likely go the first time. When is the documentary coming out? I mean, as I say, we sort of talked about this. If we don't get it out before, like in time for the next election, yeah. we've sort of done, we've sat on our ass. You know, okay. we need to, we, the whole point is to get it out so that, in sort of the similar way that Fahrenheit uh, 9-11 did, that it was like, it sort of came out right before the election and tried to sort of not only be a story, but to push some change. Okay. You know, so. so what type of change are you guys pushing? What kind of change are we pushing? I think it's a snapshot of the larger issues that are happening in the country right now. And it's kind of showing people this is what's happening on the ground. Um, We've gone to these places. This is what you're reading about in the news. Mm -hmm. um, And this is what we've taken away from it. Um, You know, for me, it was like we go to these places where, like, like there's a lot of anti-Muslimness in the United States of America. And then you go to Dearborn, Michigan, where it's 30% Muslim and Arab. And you're just like... This is any old shitty suburb in the country. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's nothing about there being 30% Muslims here that feels like it doesn't feel more tense or less tense or more interesting. I mean, it feels, it's certainly culturally a more interesting suburb than most of them, but it's okay. still like it's any old suburb, you know? And I think America kind of would be interested. I think it's interesting for America to look at that and go, oh, that's, that's something, you know, that you don't, so I think, or like you go to, to, uh, we went to Arizona and I, we went to, like, man, this is way worse than I thought. Well, did you hear what happened today? What happened today? The recall, the guy that 
yeah, do you want to talk about it? Because you know probably way more about it than I do. Just the the president of the state senate who was the state legislator who uh, pushed SB 1070, uh, the, the let me see your papers law in Arizona, got recalled yesterday. Yes, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, and, and but it's in some ways, you know, and uh, that that from our first week on the tour, the week before, uh, the week before Occupy Wall Street started, we were in Arizona seeing how horrible it is, and it's way horrible than we thought it was. But we, that the people who were there who were fighting were awesome yeah. okay. uh, to make Arizona better, and just and you know getting to connect with them was really hopeful. And then we were in Chicago. And two hours after on the plane, we're walking down the street with a thousand hotel workers on strike. Yeah. Um, and then you know, and then we're uh, you know we're in Wisconsin where people are gearing up to this to the biggest recall wave in American history um, to you know to f turn back this you know austerity anti-union uh, attack. And so we saw you know I, I in some ways the fact that Occupy Wall Street cracked open the way it did didn't surprise me because it's like oh. In San Francisco, in our, you know, Marxist book clubs, uh, we have this sense that you know we're a bubble and the rest of the country is going to hell. But actually, there, are, you know, there are pockets of resistance and signs of hope everywhere. And you know, and it's, this system isn't working for anybody. You know, yeah. so there are a lot of people who for a lot of different reasons for a lot of different reasons. And so it's sort of like, you know, it's not that 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 John Stewart and Stephen Colbert got. A fair amount of criticism from the left about their rally to restore sanity and fear, or whatever, for like why weren't they calling people to vote, or why weren't they advocating some, po you know, what, that they were abrogating their leadership. And you know, having having done uh, been a union organizer, I sort of feel like it's not the role of comedians to lead the movement. The movement needs to build the movement, and the role of people in all the arts is to be the artistic expression of the movement. Uh, but somebody, it's somebody else's job to build the movement. And just as there are people in all kinds of other artistic mediums that are you know, uh, ex expressing these political currents in song and in theater and in, you know, visual arts, we want to express it in comedy. And that, to the extent that that helps, you know, helps people give, gives people, you know, ammunition for their arguments or, uh, you know, builds community or create, gives, provides events where people can, you know, have fundraisers or whatever, we want to be doing all that. Have you guys done a college tour or any college gigs with this? We've done one gig in uh, UC Davis. How were you greeted? That's great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's like we, when people know what the thing is, they get very, because we don't, the word political doesn't really exist. The, the word political. We're backstage. We're backstage, so you'd hear bathroom talk. And toilet paper talk. Uh, the, the word political doesn't really exist, doesn't exist in our name. Okay. It's not, and so, but if you, as soon as you connect it to, against the machine, like yeah. the band, people get the idea, and it sounds way more interesting than if we said, uh, the diversity, <laughs> the diversity comedy uh, tour. Back to the documentary really quick. You said you wanted to get it out before the election, like Fahrenheit 9 11, right? Why? How do you help people vote? I mean, who should people, who do you guys support on a national level? I'm completely serious. Yeah, I, I believe you. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, the Boots or, Riley. Boots Riley recently said one of the greatest things about sort of the, that, that that about this ever is that. Uh, that people have been convinced that voting is the highest level of participation. Yeah. In the, and he's like, it's really the least you can do. Yeah, so... And so for me, like, not that I'm, I'm going to vote for Obama. Do I love Obama? 
Okay, I do love Obama. Do I like Obama? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, so that you know, makes sense. So I'm not gonna. So in that sense, like I certainly w- want people to uh, to vote the uh, Obama back in office. But for me, the idea the idea of the, of the of the comedy tour is to provoke discussion and thought outside of the normal bubble. You okay. know what I mean? So I don't know that it would be. I don't know that I would ever. I mean, NATO NATO is so hyper political that he might put out his list of here's the people you should vote for. Or in each in each city in each city state. across the, across across the country, <laughs> nay the world. Uh, but for me, it's about like promoting the ideas behind the stuff. Okay, you know? it's okay. about talking about those ideas. Like you know, uh, there's big. I feel like these big, huge swaths of culture commentary. Like like I don't know the. I don't know the bills that need to make immigration better, but I certainly know we need to have a different attitude towards it. Okay. You know, and if you get the attitude right, then the bills fall into place. So you're more focused on the social responsibility of yes. awareness. Yes, well, absolutely. I mean, and actually, you know, like, I, there are some things where I'll tell people what to vote for, but, I mean, I've sort of, you know, I, I uh, part of the reason why I decided that I, I personally wanted to retire from the labor movement and focus on doing comedy was that I felt like, you know, that the 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 the, sh- the disappointments of Obama, the squandered opportunities that the labor movement has faced in the last ten years, both under Bush and Obama, that I I was sort of like we did you know we did everything we were supposed to do mm-hmm. you know what I mean we we you know had the biggest electoral effort ever we elected the first black president with you know we turned we voted you know we, that's what people kept telling me my whole life was like well we just need to get elect more Democrats and the right Democrats and then we're gonna be able to do some shit and we did it. And it was a total clusterfuck, and and it was sort of like it's not about you know it's not about the personnel. I I am, you know, I, I vote, I pay attention to it, but I'm just not interested in the, this tour is not about trying to help Democrats get elected. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, it doesn't seem to be. <laughs> uh, but it also doesn't seem to be like you want to get certain people out of office either. Right. I mean, but but it's sort of like it's the underlying issue is is you know why is there not. Why aren't there an elect? Why is I believe that that marriage equality for gay people is something that deserves the support of the majority of the American people and mm-hmm. can, and we need to figure out how to get it there. You know, okay. I feel like it, like political equality for immigrants is something that deserves majority support, and we need to figure out how to get it there. And those are the questions to me, and to the extent that electoral politics figure into that, then maybe fine. Yeah, like I feel like it's about like to me, like the big question is why isn't the world better? Yeah, and then it's about like. It, it eventually it may still distill down to vote for this person versus that person, yeah. but at a basic level, it's like you know to to talk to people about to sort of help to try to sort of promote ideas of like like you find in like like you go to the to Dearborn, Michigan, and find that the Muslims. Man, I think the world needs the America needs to be friendly towards Muslims. Wait a minute, they're not that friendly towards gays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like and you're like trying to build these like we need to build all these coalitions, but then you know then it drips down to electoral politics. But you know. I think the last time I fall in love with a candidate was Barack Obama. Okay. I'm not going to put all my chips on anybody. Okay. You know. And the the you know one of the things that we've seen with with the occupations is that when you when you build a movement that has is capturing the imagination of the majority electorate and is mobilizing large numbers of people to take action to build a better world, you don't even need to have demands. The people will start to chase the movement. You know what I mean? And so the fact that that the banks are like, oh, we need to get off these fees or we're going to get in trouble. This could get out of hand, you know. And that, I mean, there's no question that Obama's announcement about student loans and Obama backpedaling on the Keystone Pipeline and that, I mean, in San Francisco... But the Keystone Pipeline just went through yesterday. Uh, okay. But that there was No, this, I'm asking. Did it? 
I, I, I thought, thought it did. I thought that there was this big, huge protest with a thousand people. Yeah. Over and they did it anyway? Yeah. Those dicks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's why it's not about the individual people. Right. It's about, if anything, it's about it's about the people who are in college right now. <laughs> you know, it's like it's not about if if you have a if you're a career politician in this country, you are a dirty, dirty, dirty person. Okay. And uh, you know, just by nature, the fact that like you you know that you you know I just saw the thing about Jack Abramoff on sixty Minutes about like how like how easy it is to buy mm-hmm. you know and, and trade in those people and like some of those people are the good people allegedly. Yeah. So for me, it's like. It's about, like, it starts with, like, this sort of, like, it starts with, like, visions for what I think the world should be, and then the disconnect between that's not what the world is, okay. and, and, and in that space is, is comedy. So your ideal audience is college kids that will be inspired? No, my ideal audience, and I've said this with you, right, is, 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 I think every audience is better when there's some somebody from every corner of the thing in there. Okay. When, when, de- when all demographics are represented in there, the audience automatically gets smarter. And that includes, like, you want some Republicans, some Democrats, some of every race, some different age groups. Because whenever you get one coalition, and you see this in America, people get dumber. Okay. They start to get really so focused on, like, our ways. That, like we're saying in Redwood City. One of the problems in Redwood City is that they were they had the room. Okay. They were like, well, this is how we want it. If you're not going to do it that way. Whereas if you mix them in with a bunch of different people, they start to give up control of the room. Right. right now, there's people in America who are trying to get control of America when they don't actually have the room. How do you make sure that that happens? Because, yes, you guys are the performers, but you're also the producers. Mm-hmm. So how do you make sure that it is a wide swath of people? I mean, I think getting the word out. I think, thankfully, we live in the 21st century, and social media is a big part of this, mm-hmm. and trying to connect with all different sorts of different groups online. I mean, we were in Dearborn. Tell them about what you're doing on Twitter. Oh, yeah, on Twitter, I just, uh, before our Dearborn show, I just found every single gay person I could find in Detroit and, <laughs> and, and gay activists and at them and I was really? like come do the show yeah that's uh, a great idea <laughs> <laughs> like every single magazine every single online publication yeah. every single artist it's brilliant to just to try to sort of to like rally the troops a little bit yeah to, to rally to, my troops yes yeah who are some of the performers that you guys enjoy that are uh, doing similar stuff not necessarily comics uh, I'm a big fan of Lee Camp. I know we mentioned him earlier today. Uh, I, I would say certainly I'm a big Boots Riley fan. Okay. He's the rapper from The Coup and also Street Sweeper Social Club. Isn't he also from your area? Isn't he He's from, from Oakland, Oakland yeah. yeah. So we he comes to our shows a lot. We do a lot of things together. Uh, we uh, So certainly Boots is like living this, you know, he's living the life on stage and off stage are very, are very much the same. Yeah. I'm a big fan of people who are who are able. I'm a big Henry Rollins fan. Okay. You know another DC connection. I yeah, yeah. Accidentally, I didn't really. But like, as far as a dude who's like out there in the world experiencing things and then coming back to report to his troops about what's yeah. going on, I feel like that's a really that's kind of what this tour is. Instead of just reading about in the paper, let's go out and experience some of this world and then come back and talk about it. You know. That's uh, a brilliant way to end it, actually. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you online? LATMcomedy.com. And where will you be soon? I know the tour's wrapping up, so... Uh, tonight and tomorrow in D.C., depending on when this comes out. Uh, Friday, Friday, we'll be in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be there all day running around, so if you see us with a camera crew, that's what we're doing. And then Monday and Tuesday, we wrap up the tour in Oakland, California, uh, with very special guests on the show that we're, we'll announce on Sunday. And then look for the documentary soonish. Yeah, the documentary soonish. There will probably be some sort of, like, screenings of working pieces of it. Uh, we probably will do some things at San Francisco Sketchfest. Nice. And uh, other things to just sort of, like, show what we have. Brilliant. And, and you know, we're, we're perfectly happy to be invited to come places. Yes. yes. We, we, if, if, if there are cool people that find out about us and want to invite us to come somewhere, 
uh, we want to. How should they go about doing that? Through the website. Through the website. They can email us latmcomedy at gmail.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Follow us on Twitter at YMTE. Friend us on Facebook at facebook.com slash youmethemeverybody. And for details on Monday and Tuesday nights at The Hungry Brain, go to youmethemeverybody.com.